Welcome to the Cutting Edge Health Preventing Cognitive Decline podcast, where we're making 90 the new 40. I'm Jane Rogers. Buckle up for interviews with the world's brightest minds to help you live longer, better. This podcast is all about helping your brain stay healthy and keeping it functioning at a high level. No brain fog or worse, dementia. If your liver is struggling and it needs detoxing, that's going to affect how your brain works. The liver plays a vital role by regulating the levels of various nutrients, hormones, and toxins in our bloodstream. Functional medicine physician, Dr. Lisa Broyles, joins us for more. Dr. Broyles, thank you once again for coming back on and sharing what you know. Thank you, Jane. I really appreciate it. And I absolutely love being on here just to talk to people and try mm-hmm. to explain things a little bit easier. Thanks. Good, good. Now you have done a deep dive into liver health. Yes. And it's it's complicated, but there's so much that we can do. And First of all, why is it even important that we care about our liver health? Sure. Well, the liver, it is complicated, but I'm here to try to make it understandable and help you to understand easy ways that we can support our liver in doing its job. So your liver is vitally important. The big thing we're going to talk about today is how our liver detoxes, how it removes toxins and chemicals that are dangerous for us from our blood and gets rid of them. But also, I want to briefly talk about how the liver metabolizes hormones. The liver regulates our sex hormones. So estrogen levels and progesterone and to some extent, testosterone, blood sugar regulation. So people that are pre-diabetic, insulin resistant, diabetic, the liver is your storage for extra sugar. And that's released when the body needs it. Your liver also is important for your immune health and your blood clotting. So that's why people whose liver is failing, they bleed really easily because their liver is not making those clotting factors that it should. It even acts to help the thyroid. People always think that the thyroid is the one that converts the inactive to the active thyroid hormone, but actually that's done by the liver as well. So people that are having trouble with having enough of their active T3 hormone, part of that may be liver dysfunction. The liver also helps to, it produces cholesterol, so it regulates our cholesterol levels. All of these functions are vitally important to us being healthy, and all of them need a clean liver that is constantly staying clean so that it can do this job. All these bells and whistles are going off for me. Thyroid, hormones, cholesterol, these are all things that are on my list to really try to get a better handle on it. So this is important, really important. You can't have a healthy brain if your liver is not doing its job. Yeah. Yeah. So what do we do? How do, how does it detox? First of all? Okay. There's three phases of liver detox. And I want to briefly go Mm -hmm. into each phase, how it does it and what we can do to help our liver do its job. The first phase is called oxidation and your liver automatically starts doing this phase, whether we want it to or not. And we want it to start detoxing, of course, because that's part of what it does. But what happens is your liver adds oxygen groups to toxins that are surrounded by fat to make them more water soluble. When a toxin or a compound is more water soluble, your body can break it down easier and get rid of it and eliminate it easier. The problem is that you temporarily make these toxins more toxic with phase one. The process of oxidation creates something called free radicals and free radicals 
cause damage. Okay. They're like kind of little micro bombs going off. And so you want to activate these toxins temporarily just to make them more water soluble and get rid of them, which is what the liver does in phase two. So you can see why if the liver starts activating these toxins to prepare to get rid of them, but then phase two, there's a block and we'll talk about why, then phase one just happens all the time and you get this incredible amount of damage actually coming from the liver trying to detox you but not being able to push those toxins through into the next phase, which is phase two. So the enzymes that are so important with this phase one are this group of over 50 enzymes called the cytochrome P450 enzymes. And a lot of people have actually heard of these because common medications like seizure medications and statins, which are cholesterol medications, directly affect the rate at which these enzymes do phase one. So for example, if you are on a cholesterol medication like a statin, Okay, that slows down the rate at which phase one happens. And this is actually a good thing because phase one, yes, you want your body to remove these toxins, but you don't want it to do phase one too aggressively, right? Or you get too much free radicals, too much oxidation. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the reasons that the statin medications actually reduce inflammation. And you see a reduction in CRP and this high sensitivity CRP markers on labs when people are on statins because they're not having as much free radical oxidation with phase one. Paradoxically, your seizure medications, they increase the rate at which the liver does phase one. People that are on seizure medications can get much higher inflammation happening in the liver if phases two and three aren't happening. So it's really important for phase one. There are certain things that you can do for that. Eating cruciferous vegetables, so broccoli, mm -hmm. cauliflower, Brussels sprouts, cabbage, and citrus fruits all support a healthy phase one, moving it into phase two. Also vitamins like B vitamins, glutathione, amino acids, and phospholipids, which is something called phosphatidylcholine. So you need to be taking those every day to make sure phase one is really operating. And this is not, I do it once a month. Either taking them or getting them through mm -hmm, food. Yeah. And I'm going to talk here in a minute about certain food groups that help our body make its own glutathione. Amino acids come from protein. Mm -hmm. So if you are eating protein and if you are breaking down and absorbing mm -hmm. that protein properly, then you are going to get the amino acids that your liver needs. But certain medications block our ability to absorb proteins. For example, proton pump inhibitors. This is omeprazole. So people, you know, Prilosec, Nexium, a lot of people are put on these medications. And if you're on them, your stomach can't break down protein appropriately and absorb it correctly. And so you don't get the amount of amino acids that you need for your liver to do this correctly. So is phase one detoxification of the liver something that every single person needs to worry about? Or are there, is there a certain percentage you think of the population who just has a great functioning phase one? How can you tell if you're a phase one problem person? Sure. Well, I said certain medications are going to affect how well you mm -hmm. do phase one. There are genetic variations that absolutely affect how well your P450 enzymes work, mm -hmm. regardless of whether you're on medications or not. So it's absolutely true that you are born with a certain type of cytochrome P450 enzyme complex that's either going to do a great job of phase one or a poor job before you're even put on any of these medications, not even based on what you're eating. So there is that initial genetic 
genetic kind of determination of whether you're going to do this well or not. But everyone's liver is going to do phase one. It's important, but phases two and phase three are really where we can modulate or we can affect more how things are going. So even if your liver is making too many free radicals in phase one, as long as your phase two and phase three are working well, you're going to process those toxins just fine. You're going to get rid of those free radicals and it's not going to harm you. So let's move on to phase two. Ready to move on? Yes. And phase two is the doozy. So you tell me if I'm, I, I really want to try to break this down. Okay. Because okay? phase two, it's called conjugation, but the liver does this through six different, very complicated biochemical pathways. But conjugation is basically the process of taking a toxin and making it more water soluble so that you can push it into the bile and excrete it into the intestines and out of the body. So there's different toxins that are regulated and broken down in this phase two and hormones. Phase two is where your body breaks down its estrogen, for example. Women have actually three types of estrogen. We have the E1, E2, and E3, estrone, estradiol, and estriol. Mm -hmm. So when a woman takes, say, an oral form of any form of estrogen, be it most of the time it's estradiol, which is E2, well, the liver then takes that estradiol and it's going to break it down into either estrone, which is the pro-inflammatory, pro-breast cancer type of estrogen that you do not want, or it's going to keep it as estradiol, depending on how well phase two is working. Okay, And it, it's very important because the liver very much affects how well people are doing on like hormone therapy or, or birth control, their levels of estrogen are directed by phase two of the liver. Hmm. So phase two requires protein again. So you're seeing a common theme here of those amino acids are very important for phase two. One of the reasons for this is because phase two is critical for glutathione. Glutathione is your body's most important mm -hmm. antioxidant and it drives a lot of this detox process. Your body can't make glutathione if it doesn't have enough protein, if it doesn't have enough amino acids. There's also a supplement called NAC, NAC. It's the precursor for glutathione. So a lot of people will take NAC to help their body make more glutathione. Meats, chicken and fish and lentils and mostly the proteins, lamb, beans, these all help us to make glutathione. So mm -hmm. different types of sex hormones, melatonin production. I had mentioned earlier your thyroid being activated in the liver, the thyroid mm -hmm. hormone going from inactive to active. That is all critical in this conjugation phase, something called sulfation. So we need to eat sulfury foods. Okay. So this is where the garlic and onion, this family of food is critical for sulfation. Again, we bring up the cabbages, the cruciferous vegetables, the broccoli, the cauliflower. Mm -hmm. These all help your liver to metabolize those estrogen levels so they don't get too high. It helps your liver to make melatonin to help us sleep at night, helps that thyroid go from the inactive to the active form of thyroid, which makes us feel good, this is where we need our sulfur. So if people aren't getting enough sulfur in their diet, then they're not processing those hormones correctly, nor are they detoxing plastics like BPA, chemicals like triclosan, which is in a lot of our common cleaning products and personal care products. So many questions. Okay. So protein. Protein's important for a lot of things. When I started to get my DEXA scan started to go south with osteopenia, I think it was because I wasn't taking in enough protein and, and protein is important for all the detoxing phases of the liver. How much? 
how much protein is the right amount before it starts spilling over and activates mTOR, which you don't want because that starts to age you. Yes. 24 grams, 30 grams with each meal, three meals a day. That's a question that you can't say everybody's different. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so this is where that genetic variation comes in and why I highly recommend doing a genetic test like the one I use is Neutrogenome, mm -hmm. where you can actually look at your genetic variability and determine how much protein does your body need. Because some people need a large amount of protein because their body doesn't absorb it well, doesn't break down well, it's kind of inefficient. Mm -hmm. So your body might need more protein. And someone else might have an inherited kidney disease where they can hardly have any protein because it overloads those kidneys mm -hmm. and worsens their kidney disease. So it's very hard to say everybody should do this amount. And I think that people want a set, you know, 24, 30 grams. But if you have kidney disease, for example, mm -hmm. like polycystic kidney disease, or you've been told that your kidneys aren't working at 100%, or you were born with one kidney that doesn't work quite right, then you can't be on a high protein diet. Mm -hmm. And you don't need a high protein diet because your body is very efficient with the amount of protein that it has. Does that make sense? But if you have healthy kidneys, then you are probably safe to eat a fairly high protein diet, but you have to balance that protein with enough vegetables and leafy greens, because mm -hmm. this is where your B vitamins come in. And if your liver has too much protein, but not enough B vitamins like folate and NAD um, from the leafy green vegetables, mm -hmm. then it's still not going to work right in phase two. Mm -hmm. Excellent. So any more on phase two? Yes, I wanted to bring up with phase two that also mold toxins are metabolized through the liver in phase two as well. So some people get very sick from living in a moldy environment because in phase two of their liver, something's not working right. Either genetically, they can't break down those toxins correctly or they have too much of the BPA, triclosan, some of these other toxins that inhibit the liver's ability to get rid of its mold toxins. So if you're really sensitive to it, a good liver clean out can sometimes help with that. So other ways that you can support the breakdown of the hormones correctly and everything is foods such as trout, shrimp, and some of the algaes like seaweed mm -hmm. products. That's where your chlorella and spirulina come in. Omega-3s, selenium, alpha-lipoic acid, all of these are critical for helping your phase two move properly so that those toxins are bound up and ready to move on into that gallbladder and out. Mm -hmm. Into phase three. So that is yes. the transportation part, getting them out. Yes. And... Phase three is where all of the toxins that your liver just broke down and put into these pretty little packages, now those are supposed to move from the hepatocytes, which are your liver cells, into the intestines. And the gallbladder is your storage sac for bile, which bile is made in the liver. Toxins are bound to that bile and pushed out into the intestines to then be excreted through our stool. And so phase three is critical for a healthy gallbladder, a gallbladder that doesn't have sludge or stones, which is a condition that we call cholestasis. When the gallbladder gets sludgy and it's kind of static and not moving mm -hmm. properly, this is a huge problem for your detoxing because then 
if the toxins can't move through, they're not getting enough bile to attach to, then they reabsorb, they're stuck in those liver cells. And there's an important enzyme. It's kind of the door to kick the toxins out of the liver and out of the hepatocyte. And it's called the MRP3 or the MRP2. Those enzymes, if the liver can't get rid of these toxins fast enough, it actually takes that exit door and moves it to the front door and it turns it around so that when toxins enter that liver cell, they go right back into the bloodstream. The liver cells say, full, not taking any more trash until that gallbladder starts working right. So all these toxins just get back out and they go right back into the bloodstream and then you get that enterohepatic circulation of toxins right back into the blood. And you don't want that at all. No, no. And that's when you start to get chronic migraines, autoimmune disease, lupus, people with tons of arthritis everywhere, cancer, mm -hmm. all of this chronic inflammation happens when that poor liver says, I can't handle all of these toxins mm -hmm. help. And so it's not doing its job. So you are living in this constant state of inflammation. And there's certain medications that make that worse, like Tylenol. Every day that you take Tylenol, your liver completely shuts down phase two, can't do it. Alcohol. And that's why I tell people, try not to drink alcohol. None at all is the best thing for you. But two days, a week is my personal rule so that five days a week, my liver is taking all of these enzymes are working properly. These mm -hmm. toxins from phase two are moving into phase three. That does not happen every day that you have even one drink of alcohol or any Tylenol. Oh, fascinating. Also, as we age, you keep hearing women talk about liver spots. I have liver spots on my skin. Is that because, is that something that happens when your liver is blocked? No, no. L liver spots are just sunspots. That's it's sun damage. Oh, and they're, okay. they're kind of brown and they can be yeah. the shape of the liver. So they got the name of a, a liver spot. But That's what it comes from. Okay. So yeah, it's, it's from sun damage. Okay. Is there anything else that you want to talk about? Phase one, phase two, phase three, before we go into the actual takeaways, what we've done the food, we've done the supplements for each phase, but some other things yeah. to do as we're wanting to clean out. I do just want to say a few things lifestyle wise that we can do for phase three. So if you have been told that you have gallstones or your gallbladder isn't functioning correctly, or you just suspect that it is. So women that have had children, any pregnancy increases the risk of cholestasis. Chronic stress increases the risk mm -hmm. of cholestasis. And how many of us have that, right? Um, yeah. Oral contraceptives. So women that have been on birth control for years probably have a dysfunctional gallbladder. Proton pump inhibitors, again, the omeprazole, Prilosec, Nexium, these all do it as well. So things you can do to improve that is when you eat, don't overeat. So a, a bit of a calorie restriction. So eating to where you're about 80% full instead of 100%. Mm -hmm. Exercise, overnight fasting, where you get at least 12 hours between dinner and breakfast, ideally 14 to 16. And we've talked about some of these lifestyle, this helps with lengthening our lifestyle, our cellular aging. You know, Dr. David Sinclair really talked about a lot of the stuff when we talked about his book, Lifespan. That is all true for supporting phase three as well. Also taking bitters before you eat or eating more bitter foods, broccoli sprouts. Those are all really good to help that liver move things through. Another great trick to soften stones is apple cider vinegar. Anything with malic acid in it. So organic apple juice, tart cherry juice, and apple Apple cider vinegar are three great sources of malic acid. Malic acid softens and breaks down calcified 
calcified gallstones. So if you're told you've got some calcified gallstones in your gallbladder, they recommend that you get your gallbladder out. I say, hey, before you go and get surgery, let's see if we can get you to soften and break up those stones and pass them. You can drink about 16 ounces of water with three ounces of organic apple cider vinegar is a great way to do it. And you drink that daily for about a week. And then you can actually do a gallbladder flush. And that's about a 24 hour period. And there are some specific gallbladder flushes. I don't know if you want me to talk about how those go, but I would, yes. you can actually pass the gallstones mm-hmm. and get rid of them and not have to have mm-hmm. surgery. Now, if your stones are too big, they're not going to mm-hmm. pass. But if you have smaller stones, you can soften them with the apple cider vinegar or the tart cherry juice, and then you can pass them. And it saves the pain of passing a gallstone, Yes, which is horrible. Yes. So I do do a liver gallbladder cleanse twice yes. a year in the fall and in the Wonderful. spring. And it's the kind of thing you drink um, tart yes. cherry juice for five days. Mm-hmm. And then you, um, at the very last day, there are a couple of things you do. You, you end up drinking olive oil and grapefruit juice, yes. squeeze, fresh squeeze, grapefruit juice, like right before you go to bed. There's a whole protocol for it. And then the next day you pass this stuff. It's amazing. You do. Oh, it's so interesting, really. But, yeah. and, and I have to admit, I've done this myself and I've seen it work and it's pretty incredible. Yes, you've done the five days of the tart cherry juice mm-hmm. or the apple cider vinegar. You've softened your stones beforehand. You make sure that you're not constipated. So you may even want to do mm-hmm. a colon flush ahead of time. Mm-hmm. And then you have have to drink Epsom salts at certain intervals in water. There's a certain amount of Epsom salt mixed in water. And the critical thing about the Epsom salts is that it dilates the bile ducts. Okay. It makes them as wide as they can be to help those softened stones pass. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's really brilliant because you soften the stones, you widen the ducts temporarily with the Epsom salts, and then you drink the olive oil, grapefruit juice concoction, mm-hmm. which wasn't as bad actually as the bitterness of the Epsom salts to me. And then within hours, you start passing gallstones and some of them are soft and not calcified, but you can see the calcified ones. Those ones will sink to the bottom of the toilet bowl. Mm-hmm. So you Usually you have to do that multiple times and you'll see hundreds and hundreds of stones come out. Amazingly, after I've done all that, I've done the Epsom salts and I've done the olive oil with the grapefruit juice and I lay down and they say, don't move, you know, just be, you know, as you're going to sleep, just stay there. I can feel those stones coming out of that duck. They pop Mm -hmm. out and you go, oh my gosh, I had no idea I was that messed up. Mm -hmm. Very important. Yeah, it's very interesting. I I felt a little vague discomfort, not bad, nothing extremely painful, but I did feel a little bit of of discomfort and then everything started mm-hmm. moving. And I will say, you know, there is a risk that if you have a large stone, it can get lodged in a duct and become an mm-hmm. acute problem. We call that colecolithiasis, where you've got a, a stone that's blocked a duct and has to be surgically removed, but that's very rare. And if you've gone through the week ahead where you've softened your stones mm-hmm. and you've done it correctly, then you should be able to pass those stones. So what are some other things that we should do to love up our livers? So I do think like you do, Jane, I do think that every six months, ideally, everyone should do a liver and gallbladder and um, flush and followed by some colon hydrotherapy, both before and after. I have several different companies that I like their liver kit cleanses. There are everything from two week to one month to several day programs. I feel like the company Quicksilver has the most comprehensive liver detox kit Of course, it's also the most expensive, but Quicksilver uses nano emulsions 
which is sublingual formulations so that you absorb the nutrition and the amino acids and the glutathione, everything that's in it Mm -hmm. actually absorbs much better as a nano emulsion that's sublingual under the tongue than if you swallow these things orally. So he's trying to bypass any already existing liver issues there and absorb through the mucosa. So that's one reason I like Quicksilver, but his most comprehensive detox is called the Cube. And it actually pulls out heavy metals as well, which if you have mercury amalgams in your mouth, you don't want to do a liver detox like the cube that will pull out heavy metals because it'll actually leach mercury from your teeth. So if you've already had your amalgams removed, then that's a wonderful detox. That one's too expensive to do every six months. But I do think maybe once a year, a cube type of detox, which is just pulling out, it's got the glutathione, it's got the B vitamins, the amino acids, phosphorus choline. It's supporting each phase, phase one, phase two, and phase three, where you mobilize the toxins. And then he gives you binders to prevent those toxins from recirculating back into your bloodstream and making you sick. And I like how Quicksilver of all of the kits seems to support phase three the best, which is that transportation into the bile and out. Can I ask you a question before we move further? You said if you have your amalgam, so if you have silver fillings, you really shouldn't be doing this because you're pulling those toxins out of the fillings. You shouldn't be doing one that is for heavy metals Mm -hmm. like the cube. Mm -hmm. There are other liver cleanses that are not pulling heavy metals out that don't have glutathione or at least high levels of it don't have EDTA Mm -hmm. and those ones are safe for you to use. But does that also mean people who have had like a new knee or a new hip? That's metal in a body. No, there is no mercury in it's in mercury. joint okay. replacements. And dentists today don't use mercury amalgams anymore, mm-hmm. but they were used. And so those of us that have the old ones from you know, yeah. 10, 20 yeah. years ago need to have those removed. But in joint replacements, they have chromium and cobalt. Wouldn't that pull? They do. There is a small amount, but glutathione doesn't bind to those nearly as much. Mercury is the big one and arsenic, so which are not in your joint replacements. So you may have a very small amount from your from your joint replacements, but any that is, is just going to be bound up in the liver cleanse product and pulled out. So okay. So then you were saying the cube, and you should ideally do it once a year because it takes care of the phase one, phase two, phase three, but then you were going on to explain more. Yes. And so the most inexpensive one that Quicksilver has is called the liver push catch. And I use that one a lot and it doesn't have the glutathione, but it has something called his liver sauce. So he's got multiple other Mm -hmm. support for phase one and phase two that's in that liver sauce. And then he's got a binder that you take 10 minutes later that helps to bind up any of those toxins that you just mobilized and latch them onto that bile and push them through the phase Mm -hmm. three transport. So Mm -hmm. I do use that most routinely because that's affordable. It's about $120. Uh, I also, over the years, have used a company called Designs for Health. They have a veggie cleanse, 14-day detox. And that consists of powder that you pour into water or juice or milk to make a shake. I just stir it up into water. My children and my husband, they mix it into almond milk. So you can mix it into whatever liquid and you drink it twice a day. And then you take a capsule that has amino acids, which there again is your protein. Mm -hmm. 
And then it's got the B vitamins and it's digestive enzymes to grab onto it and help push it through. Mm-hmm. But the Designs for Health kit primarily focuses on healthy phase one and phase two and doesn't necessarily support phase three. So if you've got some cholestasis, what if you don't have a gallbladder at all? You know, then your liver is making mm-hmm. bile, but it's not concentrated in the liver. And so even if you don't have a gallbladder, then you should be taking like a bile salt supplement and still doing these, the cleanses. Now you don't have to do a gallbladder cleanse, obviously, if you don't have a, have a gallbladder, but you should be doing the liver cleanse. Fascinating. I think you've answered all my questions. You know, Jane, I've been wanting to do this subject for a podcast for so long, but it is so complicated. And my fear was, can I break this down in a way that people will understand and make sense and not feel overwhelming? So I hope we've accomplished that today. I didn't feel overwhelmed. You made it. You made it simple. Yay. Thank you. Well, thank you. Very much. I appreciate it. Have a great day, Dr. Royals. Thank you, Jane. You've been listening to the Cutting Edge Health Podcast, created and hosted by Jane Rogers. The website is cuttingedgehealth.com. We hope you enjoyed the show and would very much appreciate your writing a review. They help a lot and we read each one. Any information shared on this podcast is for educational purposes only. Guest opinions are their own. This podcast is not responsible for the veracity of their statements. The comments expressed are not medical advice. Do not use any of this information without first talking to your doctor. This podcast and Jane Rogers disclaim responsibility for any adverse effects from the use of any information presented. Thank you for listening and have a beautiful day.